Welcome to the X Factor Roping Podcast. Our goal is to give you the knowledge and tools to get the most out of what you love to do. I'm Pace Freed, the owner of XFactorRoping.com and your host. We want to bring you the best content possible and it would mean so much to us if you would continue to sign up and support XFactorRoping.com. Thank you for listening. Hi guys, welcome to the X Factor Team Roping Show and Podcast. Uh, you know, we spent the whole day filming, and it was it was a pretty awesome day for me just to get to watch. I'm pumped about the videos. Uh, you know, we got to film with Joseph Harrison over here at Bobby Lewis's place, and uh, this horse program they've put together is amazing. How they ride them, top to bottom. I mean, for a lot of you guys out there, you're just a lot of you guys have known Joseph for quite some time, and and Bobby. But some guys are just now getting to see him. He's just made his first NFR this year, and and kind of starting to rodeo full time was his first year he ever pro rodeoed. So you get to see what type of horse flesh he's riding, and it's it's just pretty amazing to see this whole program, how it works together, how it's translating, and in some different areas. So Joseph, I, man, I was just glad to have you today, and I thought it was an awesome job filming and just how you rode horses so it, it was cool to do that and i really appreciate it man but she bet man thanks it was a lot of fun so joseph to to kind of start it out i, I like to kind of get kind of get a feel of like who you are and and kind of what background you grew up in so kind of talk to me about when you started roping riding horses and when the desire to to train horses kind of started happening in your life man when i was a kid um i grew up rolf oklahoma just south of ada there um it's about an hour, hour and ten minutes northeast of us right here. And uh, my dad roped, um, headed, you know, real good. Uncle Steve's dad doesn't rope anymore. He's a, he's a uh, inspector for uh, the frack tanks and old tanks and water pressure tanks and all that stuff. But he, he headed real good, and he was, he was good with a horse. And uh, my Uncle Steve, he still ropes and jackpots all the time. I mean, he's he goes to more jackpots maybe than anybody in the continental U.S. I don't even understand how he goes that much, but he does. And uh, my granddad roped, and <clears throat> my mom even roped a little bit, but it was just something that I grew up, that's, that's what we did. That's what my family did. We roped, and that's where we spent our time together and everywhere else. So that's, uh, I like the horse end of it just as good as I do the, the team roping part of it. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I'm a team roping enthusiast and I, and I love team roping, but I really, really like to ride a young horse. Right. I like to feel them grow underneath me. You know, if I, teaching them, I mean, that's awesome when you show them something and they get it. It's just as rewarding for me, you know, as that I taught him something. Right. So, always wanted to, always wanted to do that so I got a chance you know I was uh, I think I was 16 I think I turned 16 that summer and I wanted to uh, I wanted to build on my horsemanship uh, I'd always rode some horses there you know for neighboring ranches and stuff outside horses and you know breaking some colts and stuff like that but I would never actually had an, an actual horse job uh, other than that so I came to work right here when I was 16 for Bobby Lewis, and uh, man, he was—he's been really good for me for a, for a long time. Man, he's treated me like I was his own, and uh, he's just got an awesome program. You know, this 
everything that I'm everything that I'm riding right now, excluding one, um, he raised them. Right. Uh, the horses, the horses, some of them that I rode on video today, and uh, two of them that I'm that I'm riding at the rodeos and the jackpots right now, he raised. The brown that I rode last year, all year, he raised. Um, he just got a he's got a great eye for a horse. He's a, I think, 31 times AQHA World Champion. 31 times. 31 times. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, He's a he's a great hand on a horse. Uh, he's got a real real good eye for a horse. Um, he's been a great coach for me. He's been a he's been a good teacher, and um, this place has done a lot for me. Um, it's a it's it's a good spot. So how long has Bobby been training horses now? Can you or just can you just kind of give us Bobby Lewis's just kind of background and, and you know what he kind of <laughs> long time. Circus <laughs> been at it a while. You know, I, I don't I don't know exactly when he went to work uh, for Matlock and Carol uh, Rose, but it was it's it's been a while back. This place has been here. See, I, I came here two two or three years after this place was up and running, and he was training out of here. And uh, I've been here off and on for about 14, 15 years, and. Uh, so this place has been up and running for about 17 years. And the uh, he worked for Carol and Matlock shoot for a long time. Right. You know, I, I hate to say exactly, but I want to say something like, something like 20, 15 or 20 years, like a long time. And Bobby's pretty well-rounded as far as his disciplines. Uh, can you kind of talk about what backgrounds he shows horses in and has experience in? Man, every, everything. He's uh, he's got championships in the AQHA and in 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 a lot of events. You know, he rode rainers, he rode cow horses, cutters, rope horses, head heel and calf horses. Uh, man, the ranch riding horses. I mean, just almost anything that you could think of, he can do it. Right. I mean, it's it's really good. He's. Uh, I know that he's. Uh, I say I know that he is. I, I want to say that just the other day that he got his deal for to get inducted into the AQHA Hall of Fame. Right. He's in the Legends books. Yeah, and it's, obviously well deserved. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you know what's cool about it too is he he's a winner himself, but he knows what horses are winners. Right. And that's what he's raising now. And I mean, I I've heard lots of great stories about the horse program and like I said got to see it again today in film and I'm ecstatic about the, the footage that we're going to get to watch but uh kind of fill me in on his horse breeding program and kind of what he tries to go with and for a <clears throat> his is his big deal there while he was at Carol's and Nims was uh Zampar Bar right. Zampar Bar and uh then we got some Shining Spark stuff, and uh, you know there was Zan's Diamond Son. Zan's Diamond Son was a great horse, reprise bar. Um, but I tell you what, I think his his favorite uh, line of line of action is uh, up to date is uh, Dual Spark. Right. We had a uh, his name was Dual Spark. His name's Pork Chop. 
but Dual Spark was his registered name. He's a uh, he's by Dual Pep um, out of Doolittle Lena. Uh, she is by Shining Spark out of a smart little Lena mare. And uh, he was he's been he's been great for this program. Um, Hollywood Heat was really good for this program. Um, Holly, Bobby owned him, and uh, there was there were several studs along the way. CDO Cody. CDO Cody helped this program quite a lot. He was a nice horse. Bobby won a bunch on him. And uh, but I think I think up to date, I'd probably say Dual Spark is, is what's kind of our our main priority right now. Yeah. We've got uh, a good handful of them, and and they're a bunch of them really nice horses. And uh, you guys stand some studs right here, right of Bobby's as well. Yep. Yep. As a matter of fact, the uh, one that I'm the most stoked about right now his name is Dual Patron yeah. and he's by he's by uh, Dual Spark out of Look at Her Glow um, she is by CDO Cody out of uh, Leo's Night Glow she was a uh, she was a good mare that mare her name was Betty her barn name was yeah. and uh, or still is she's still standing in there but uh, anyways uh, that Colt Dual Patron um, he's already won a lot as young as he is. Um, I've done good on him. At, we've, I've only taken him to two of those fraturities, the one at Fort Worth and the one up here at Inola. I did good on him at both of them. I won the world on him last year in the juniors at the world show. And uh, he's going back for the juniors again this year. He's just five. Right. So we've only had one little old, uh, breeding season on him really so far. But... Uh, I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be good. There's a, that's a good combination from, you know, by that stud and out of that mare. I, I think I think he's going to have great colts. What are some of the things like for us illiterate or just dumb team ropers <laughs> out there, or both? Uh, what are some of the things that they are looking for in the judged events that make these horses so special? Like. Like that one that you won the world on last year. I'm glad you said. I'm glad you said something like that because I had a guy ask me the other day if he had papers, if it, if one of them horses had papers I was going to sell him, and I said, yeah, yeah. I said oh, he's by such and such, and out of this mare, and she won hundred thousand in this, and yada yada. And he said, oh yeah, no, I don't care anything about that. I just want to make sure that the age is right. <laughs> I kind of laugh, but it's you know for for just. Uh, just straight roper guy, I would see how they wouldn't care anything about how women horses were bred. I could see that. Right. Because they can't eat them papers. Um, and they can't win on them either. They got to win on him. Right. So if he's not good enough to win on, doesn't matter how he's bred. And, and I understand that. But um, in, the, in, the, in the show horse industry, as far as rope horses goes, um, you want something with some wow factor. You want something something with some style to it. Um, pretties, you know, they need to be pretty. It's uh, just like we've talked about it. It you can you can feed a pretty one and train a pretty one just as easy as you can cost the same amount of money to feed and train a pretty one as it does an ugly one. Yeah. And then when you get done, they're easier to sell and for sure easier to look at or be around or want to ride because they're pretty but they need to be pretty in the show horse deal and 
they got to have some kind of style to them. They've got to do something cooler than the next one to, to be able to do some real winning on them. Uh, if you get lucky, you get one that's real good looking and got a lot of style, and then you get to win a lot on him right. or her. Uh, so like that sorrow that you rode last today, I would say that he has a huge amount of wow factor. <laughs> what uh, what are some of the, the big things you look for in that wow factor or you'd like to feel in that wow factor in these horses? I want one of them horses to really stop. I'm a, I've always I've always been a I've always liked them to really stop my heel horses. And uh, now what well, Woodards don't stop and he's gonna beat me. He's done it the last month and a half since I've been going around him out there. He's been beating me nearly every time I pull up. But it's still not my style. It's not what I like. Um, it's not where I get my timing from a horse really dragging its butt. So I like for one to really stop. That colt's got a ton of stop. He's really fast and really fast-footed and, and can really stop. He's by a horse uh, called Sophisticated Cat. Boyd Rice won a lot on him in the cutting, right. like a lot. And he's out of one of the best mares I've ever been around. Her name's Miss Dual Play. Uh, her barn name was Zena. Bobby raised that colt, that, that one we're talking about. And uh, Bobby still got the high score of the long round of the cutting for Charity uh, on that mare. And I think that uh, that record's, I think that record's like 14 years old now. Uh, she was. She was a really, really good mare. Right. So winners at all, all levels, you know, cutting, team records, showing, you know, they, you talked to me a little bit about winners. Can you kind of tell me about that a little bit? Tell everyone what you kind of think about that? Well, uh, there's just, well, it's just like, it's just like uh, you go to a high school baseball game and you watch the game and, um, you know, fourth fifth inning they take the a team part of them out and put jv or the younger kids or just the guys that don't get as much field time in and you can tell the difference um and i know that sounds bad but you can i mean it's it's why some of them get drafted and some of them don't right so you can tell early on when one of them horses has got what it takes to do what we want to do. Um, and now I realize that um, the next guy might not want that horse doing quite as much as I want him doing. So he don't need him stopping that much. He don't need him running that fast. So there's a market for those horses, even if they aren't what I want. Okay. Even if they can only do half what I want, somebody's going to love him. So the ones that we're talking about like that, if they're pretty enough, you can still make money. Um, and somebody can still be happy with the finished product. But for me, for me and, and for a lot of guys like me, um, they've got to have, they've got to have more to them. Uh, they've got to be, stronger and faster and can stop more and take more abuse because that that road's hard right. you know that road's hard on one so they've got to be able to complete the task 
and a journey. And that, that takes that takes one that's pretty special for, most, for the most part. Right. And, uh, you know, you've got, uh, obviously, I had the opportunity to ride a lot of those special horses and continue. You've got the sorrow that you've had for, you told me, six years now? I've had him for about six years, yeah. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about what that horse has done for you and kind of what he's taught you about? Uh, I mean, to kind of give everyone a little bit of background on it, if, if you're not a ride around the Texas, Oklahoma, this area, I mean, you pretty much have beat the brakes off of them at the <laughs> amateur rodeos. And, I mean, I've heard stories of you winning almost 30,000 at just the amateur rodeos in in a summer, which is almost unheard of, I think. Well, I told Mike, I rode with Mike Bacon for about five years. Right. Long time. We were partners, first partners for a long time. And I enjoyed rode with Mike. Mike. Mike was a great guy, man. He's a great guy. Um, but when that horse was, when he was, we got him the first time when he was seven. And I sold another horse to a man that uh, he couldn't ride him. And I knew he couldn't ride him. I told him he couldn't ride him. But he bought him anyway. And then wound up not getting along with him good. So I just traded him Main Street because he was green yet. And he was, I mean, he was, he was green when he was seven years old in the roping because he was a cutter for the longest time. Anyways, I made the trade because it was a good trade at the time, and I regret it now. I wish I would have kept him the whole time, but anyways, I got a chance to trade back for him, and uh, when I got him back, he was eight, eight years old. It was about this time in the year when I got him back, and uh, he was fat. looked like he had a round bell living in him. I mean, he was so fat, and... My wife and, and, and another girl that worked here at the place, they tag-teamed him every other day. One of them got him and loped him and got him leg back up. And I needed one at a time. I'd sold myself a foot. So I just started taking him. And he just got better and better and better. And uh, I told Mike, when you, you said that, it made me laugh. I told Mike that they, nobody, they said nobody had ever won over 20000 in the UPRA before. Mike and I did that one year. And I told Mike, I said, man, I want to win over 30. He said, well, let's just go to them. And we went to went to 50, went to 56 rodeos uh, the year before I started rodeoing with Charlie. Mike and I went to 56 amateur rodeos and won 35,000. That's pretty much just beating the brakes off. Of we got along pretty good. Yes. Yeah, That's but he had, a, he had a great head horse and I had a couple of good heel horses and we just went, you know, I mean, we went and we caught the steers. We just won good. But that horse has, that horse has helped me a lot. He was big and strong. He could take a lot of abuse, uh, more than I wish I had to, had to give him. But, you know, he's, uh, he's done a lot for my team roping career. And he's taught me a lot about how I need to set the next horses up. And uh, he doesn't have the... He doesn't have as much of the wow factor. It's just so honest that, like I showed him at the World Show a couple of times, just by accident the first time, really both times. We, I showed him at a, they had a fraturity at Lincoln, Nebraska, and I took him to help on because my, my other two were pretty sore and they were tired of me. So I took him to help on and they had uh, that, it was an older horse deal, sweepstakes they called it. Yeah. So we entered him at it. and. Uh, I uh, won the first two rounds, come back to the short round, and I won second in the short round, and ended up winning second on him. But the first, 
the first two rounds gained me like 26 points and it took 27 to qualify one for the world show that year yeah. so i uh, took him one more time got his points and showed him at the world show i won third on him the first year and i won reserve on him the second year i showed him and uh but he just didn't have he didn't have enough wow factor to win it um and i won second on him and i won third a couple of times i won third on the little horse that uh we're talking about that i rode last today the sophisticated cat and uh, finally this last year uh i got to win it on the little buckskin dual patron right. and uh, that was pretty cool i mean I've been after it for a long time, so finally getting it was pretty cool. Is that probably was that one of your favorite moments in here? It's one of the, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. He was a that little horse is really cool. It was it was good that I rode some nice horses and some that I'd done most of the work on and some that I'd done all the work on that were just almost good enough. And but I finally I finally I wanted on one that I trained myself personally. In the healing and that felt good that felt good that was uh that was a fun day yeah that had to have been that was a fun day and is that is your goal with your program at this point right now is it kind of set up to where you, know, you guys are raising a ton of courses that you know that you like bobby's spending a lot of time on them getting them broke where he likes them and then you just hop on them and kind of get them going to the rope and is that is that kind of how things are flowing together i mean it's it makes it easy Yep. It makes it easy for me because like we're talking about, there, there was a couple of them horses that I rode today on video that, that he spent a lot of time on in the arena right beside the roping arena. And uh, just getting them broke, man, and following a cow and yeah. learning what a cow was. You know, I mean, there's, you can say, yeah, he's been in front of a cow, but do you really know what a cow is, how to handle him? Well, like when I, by the time I get them, if he's had them as long as he's had some of them, you know, year and a half, two years, right. they're broke, 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 right between the bridle reins and right between your legs. Well, they don't mess up as often, for one, and when they do mess up, they're three times as easy to correct. So they make themselves twice as fast. I mean, it's it's easy. I mean, it's like it's a it, it, it makes my job so easy. But what, what a lot of people I don't think really understand about getting them horses so broke before you go to doing anything else on them is that. It's that they're, they're so easy to correct and so easy to show what you want to do because they don't do anything without you. They're, they're you know, I hear, I, I hear that a guy call me, you know, and they'll say, hey, man, I got to... <clears throat> I've got a four-year-old. I've been roping the Smarty on, and I roped some live steers on him. Uh, he's not very broke, but we're getting him patterned. That's not good. It's, it's not. It's not good. And the reason I say that is um, getting, a, getting a pattern on there without him being broke is like riding him with the training wheels on all the time. And once you take them off, He's lost. Right. This sucker don't know where to go. And when you try to help him, he don't know how to let you help him because he's not broke. Yeah. So having 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 Bobby over there, and I've had some really good some really good boys and girls that's worked here. Um, Austin Johnson was a was a he's a really good hand, really good hand. He get them horses 
I mean, super broke. Kaylee King did a really good job. Adam Morrison worked here. He did a good job, you know. Uh, so riding behind them was easy. Right. Now you can you can run into a situation where the people that you ride behind, it's harder than if I would have just done it all myself. And I don't have time really to do it all myself because I've got so many that I've got to get through the rope on in a day. It's hard to take that time to ride four or five, you know, two or th three year olds trying to get them as broke as I need them to do the roping. So to have somebody else over there doing that while I'm riding rope horses, and then when it comes time for them horses to be roped on, they're broke enough, I can just go right to work on them. That's, that's handy. Well, and, and you just said it earlier today, uh, so, you know, about 150 steers in, they're ready to really do a lot of work. Right. They're, I mean, they're ready to go places that normally 150 steers on a horse that maybe not that broke, it still feels really, really green where these horses feel like you might end up riding one at the BFI or a big situation and be comfortable, right? Right. Well, I mean, I mean, what we was talking about earlier, that, that, that colt that we were talking about had 150 steers on him. I don't, I don't feel like on that particular horse, he isn't but another 150 steers away from I think I could ride him nearly anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to back in there at the Thomas and Mac, but I could ride him a lot of places right. because he is that broke. And being that broke is going to make him be that better trained that much faster. Right. Um, but it it all goes back to it all goes back to the foundation that you put on one, you know. It's uh, the the there's a lot of guys, you know. I can, I can name them off, you know. Brad Lund, JDH, Clay Logan, you know. There's good horse programs, man, all around here, and uh, all those guys they they do a they do a good job, but it's what they do. Right. It's what they do. They don't work a nine to five job and come home and and ride them in the evenings. I mean, when they get up in the morning, they go to the barn and they start saddling. And when they get done that day, they're unsaddling and going to the house because that's, that's what they did all day. Right. Um, so, and, and they, all of those guys that I just named off have done it for a long time, Bobby Lewis included. And my hat's off to them guys. I haven't been riding, I haven't been riding them nearly as long as any of them guys. And I hurt all over. My hip's bad, my knee's bad, my shoulder kills me. And just get to thinking about those guys with that much age on them and how long they've done it. Well, yeah, I'm sure they hurt all the time, but they love it. So they get up in the morning, they keep doing it every day, all day. And that's, that's cool for me. Well, and it, it's cool because you get to see a guy's life's work and he's taken pride in it. Right. You know, we filmed the Clay Logans, and it's the same thing. They've got great horses. You come here, you see great horses, and and they, you know, it's just like that. You know, mares. You've they've won on mares that are now in the the broodmare program, mm -hmm. and they've been here for a long time. And you you just get to see this. If you've got all this work put years and years and years, and it's really their life's work. And it's cool to see that because they truly have found something that they love, and they, you know. You, talk about how they continue to learn and get better and improve on the horses themselves. And mm -hmm. I think it's it's pretty special to see stuff like that. It's uh it's one of my favorite things. I I I love the I love going to a rodeo. Right. And getting to go to the concession stand and getting a chili cheese dog and a 
Dr. Pepper and watching some of the rodeo and getting to run one at the rodeo. I love it. Uh, but if I had to say what I was truly passionate about, be this right here. I love riding young rope horses. I like to go to the horse show and take my young rope horses and do my best to kick all those guys' butts that I've been talking about because they're doing the same thing at their house. They're preparing and massaging and working to a point to get this horse to where when they get there, they can win on him. So they bring their horses that they've been working on and we bring our horses we've been working on and we just get in there and spar and see who's got the best ones. I love that, that's awesome. To, to, to win and not consistently, because you're not consistently gonna beat those guys that I've been talking about. Those guys are all great hands and, and they, they're all great showmen. And, but to be able to beat them at all, any ever, feels really good. It's gotta be an awesome feeling, honestly. And you know what's even cool? You, you talked about it earlier today, about how you compared to guys you know, like a Jake Long and Corey Petska and these guys with just tons and tons of rope talent. And you would say yourself, you don't feel that talented with your rope, but you'd love to use your horse. Can you kind of describe that a little bit more for me about your mindset with your healing? Well, you look at, yeah, I mean, you look at some of the horses that they've got, and they're great horses. I mean, Colonel, I mean, he, he don't win horses of the year several times by accident. I mean, he's a nice horse. I've, I've ridden him myself, and uh, I, I like him. You know what I mean? He's a great horse. Uh, and I'm going to say about Petska's Sorrel, I've never been on his back, but he looks cool. I mean, Sucker looks like he gives a guy a chance to win. You know what I mean? Uh, but they're just set up just a little bit different than, than how I would set them up for myself. Uh, part reason is, is they, I think those guys use their rope a little better than I do. Um, but if I can use my horse that much better than theirs, if I can have him that much broker and going to the spot that much faster and getting on his butt that much stronger and come tight as fast as I can, it doesn't matter. They can heal them a jump faster than I can, and I can come tight just as fast or faster than they do if I've got him in tune. Right. So, and I feel like, for the most part, when you're talking about horses like Colonel, then you're not going to keep on doing it much longer than Jake Long has kept Colonel doing it. Right. I mean, that's awesome. That horse has been a warrior. Yep. But you see guys ride so many different ones um, through a period of six or eight years, you'll see a guy ride five or six different horses. And you're going to see me ride five or six different horses too, but it's going to be because I sold the last one I was on. And 90% of the time when those guys get done with one, they ain't selling him, he's either crippled or he won't work anymore. Right. Um, and that's something that I don't want because I'm a I love them. You know, I'm a horse lover. I, I don't want to see them quit working, and I don't want to see them sore, and I don't want to see them crippled. So if he can do it the way that I need him to do it, he'll save himself longer than some of the other ones will, and he can do it longer and less painfully. Uh, and I'm not saying that uh, 
you know, the team roping deal is painful for them, but the wrong way it is. Uh, you can teach them how to take the jerk to where it's no fun for them every time. Um, and two or three of them that I rode today, you can watch them take the jerk, and uh, they're craving it. Right. Bring it, because it ain't it don't hurt. Yes. They know they can jerk the back half off of them steers, pain free. Right. And it's how they take that jerk. Now that's trained into them. Yes, sir. So. You know, your first year really cracking out rodeo. And, I mean, you've rodeoed and been to quite a few of the rodeos, but you've never had really said, hey, this is, I'm going to set out and try to make the finals. And you get the call from Charlie Crawford, or how does that all go down? Yeah, well, I won, I won quite a lot with his wife, right. Jackie. And uh, she and I jackpotted, uh, you know, for about a year there. And I think we went to six jackpots, and we won just shy of 30000 together. Uh, so I wouldn't say we were just tearing the road up or nothing, but we won good where we went. And uh, I really enjoyed rolling with Jack. She's uh, she's a good hand herself, and uh, you know a, a great a great. I think she's uh, I think she's an inspiration to all women ropers of any sort, breakaway ropers, team ropers. Uh, she's got a great attitude. Um, she's great to be around, and I like being around her. Um, and I got to be around Charlie a little bit because of roping with Jackie. And uh, I even told him over there one day at Stephenville to go back and sit in the stands because uh, he'd come down there messing with her while we were trying to win something. And I told him that she was my jackpot date. He needed to get back in the stands go, with the go video go, camera. Go get a corn dog. Yeah, he didn't think it was near as funny as I did. But uh, anyways... We kind of, I'd seen him around at a bunch of the, you know, rodeos around here and stuff like that. And I got to know him a little more even, you know, the ERA rodeo year and the amateur rodeo time with Peyton. Yeah. And uh, Jackie and I were just talking about it at the UPRA finals. And uh, she said, man, you and Chuck really need to rope together. I think it would be great. So, well, I mean, that's, that'd be cool, you know. I mean, I ain't opposed to it. And the next week he called me. And said, hey, man, well, so what about it? You want to rodeo or not? And I'd like to, you know. Uh, just like the rest of those uh, big dog headers, I had to have an interview day where I come roped at a jackpot at his house. And we got along pretty good. We didn't win nothing, but we caught good together. And uh, he, uh, we decided that's what we was going to do, and that's what we did. It was it was a fun year, you know. I mean, the, the the rodeos. I got to go to a lot of rodeos that I've never been on. You know, that never been on that big circle, and uh, it was an experience. It was it was fun. The rodeo was fun. I'm not a huge fan of the downtime, but it goes along with it. So, uh, and we won good. You know, he he turned me a lot of steers, and I was lucky enough to catch some of the right ones. So, did good enough to to make the NFR, and that was. Uh, that was a whole nother trip in itself. That was a that was a lot of fun. Oh, man. So getting the heel for Charlie, I, I mean he's one of my favorite headers anyways. I, I love how he sets up the runs and how he how he ropes. What did the run feel like to you when you guys just started like kinda when you got started rodeoing and getting tapped off? What did that run feel like? Man, once we got in a kind of a once we had a rhythm, um at the rodeos it was great. Um Jackpotting, we didn't we didn't kill them, but we didn't struggle. It was just kind of a 
we're just kind of middle of the road. We, we want decent, um, but at the rodeos, man, we had a, we had a pretty good rhythm. Uh, I could read what he was doing when he, when he was gonna go close, I could feel what was happening and I could, I could get up there around the turn and go fast. And it felt like when he'd come with a heater, I could read it real good, you know? I mean, we just, we, we made a lot of good runs. And uh, he's a good quarterback. Um, he'll, he, and he knew the arenas, man. He knew the rodeos, he'd been to them lots of times. And he could, you know, that was a plus. Him, he could tell me kind of what we were in for every time we got there. and. Uh, for the most part, I was a little, I was, some places we would get I was unsure of, and uh, so I would just go back to defensive healing. Uh, make sure I get in a good enough spot where I can catch the steer and, and don't heal on offense. And he would tell me, don't worry about that. Just heal offensively. Get up there and uh, get up there in that rough cut and take a hack at them. And that gave me enough confidence to be able to do what I like to do anyway. Right. I'm an upbeat, uh, and I, sometimes it's a bad thing, I will say that, but I'm an upbeat, pretty aggressive style healer. I wanna, I get up there pretty close and pretty tight through the turn, and when they start coming through the turn, I go looking for that first available. Right. Uh, so it worked out good. He could chase the steers a stride further and set them up good for me and be, a tenth or two tenths faster. Right. I mean, it just felt easy. And, you know, just from my perspective, it, it was really cool, just like you described it, but it was just a run. It looked like the same run all the time. It might be a faster setup. When you've got a good steer, you might be four flat, and then you might be the next spot, and it would be a longer box, different different setup, but it was the exact same run. You might be 5'8". How you guys made the finals, it was it is cool because you there was no huge, huge wins. I mean, you you guys beat them up at like St. Paul and had a really good fourth, but there was no, there was no the huge San Antonio win or anything like right. that. You only just seemed like you guys consistently won all year long by making the same run right. at the different spots, just using your horses, using cattle. Well, that was that was one thing that I that I was kind of proud of about the way that I made it my first time, because I didn't have a Salt Lake win. Right. You know, and I didn't have a San Antonio win because we didn't get to go to San Antonio, didn't get to go to Fort Worth. Uh, we won 800 bucks at Denver, won 1,400 bucks at San Angelo. I mean, we didn't kill them at any of the big rodeos per se, other than, I mean, we won 8,000 at St. Paul. You know, I think as of one, one rodeo, I think that's the most money we gained at one single rodeo was 8,000 bucks. Which is that was awesome, you know. It was a we had a great Fourth of July. I say great. We had a good Fourth of July. Won eighteen thousand over the fourth. Just catched steers. I mean, we did nothing fancy. Just caught. And uh, but that was what I was proud of about making them the way I did my first time. Was I didn't have any champions challenges or big, you know, San Antonio wins or anything like that. That just let me get in. I had to get in the hard knock way. Right. And I'm probably more proud of that than I would have been if I would have won Salt Lake and got to come home. I gotta agree with you. And I think it translated to, you know, we got to watch you guys get ready for the NFR. You guys, it just seemed like it was pretty relaxed. You guys didn't rope a lot together getting ready for the finals, just a couple of days, two or three days, right? Man, uh, maybe a day. 
because we did it two days, but we only did it one afternoon and then the next morning. <laughs> so it was, I mean, he was pretty upside down at me about it too there for a while. He, he wanted me to come rope all the time. And, and, I, and I wanted to, it wasn't that I didn't want to come rope. I just, I got so much obligation here and the world show was fixing to happen. And I had, I had a bunch of horses to get ready for that. Um, we just got done with the fraturity stuff there and the U.S. finals and everything was all together and I wanted to go rope and, and work on things but at the same time I felt like um, I didn't need to overdo it. Right. I felt like we need, I needed to go rope for a day and kind of get a rhythm down of how he's going to go about it and where I needed to get to do my job and I felt like it didn't take us but two little old practice sessions of three horses a piece to do that. You know what I mean? I felt like I had a, a really good game plan. Uh, I missed one at the finals and I roped a leg on one. Uh, he turned me nine steers. I caught seven of them by two feet. I, I felt like I could have did a better job on the ones that I messed up on, but I didn't feel like I could have did any better job on, on the others. I felt like uh, I did my job as good as I could do it. Yeah. So, I don't feel like I needed to go any more than that. I just had my horses, you know, that much tighter and thinking about it that much more versus just going in there and team roping. I mean, it was, you get on that side of the chute and I'll get on this side of the chute and when they turn him out, we'll catch him as fast as we can catch him under control. That's what I felt like it was. Well, um, it, was it was the exact same round you guys made all year long. You know, Charlie, I got to talk to him a little bit about it as well, and, and that's what he said. You know, he kind of had that in his mind, how he was setting up the run and how he's handling them, and you guys just made great runs. You guys each kind of had one mistake at the finals, but that's an easy place to mess up. There's mm -hmm. things happen so fast, and uh, you guys ended up having a great finals, or, and, and I just gave, it, gave yourselves a great year. Uh, I, I do want to back up to one story I heard at the at the NFR. Um, I can't remember who told it to me, but it was the morning of, I think, then there, you're at the booth, the Equibrand booth, and someone was kind of maybe a bulldog or something was asking you, hey, Joe, you, you nervous today? Or how are you going to, you know, what are you thinking about? And you kind of talk to him about how, how you feel about getting nervous. Do you, you know the story I'm talking about? I think you just go ahead and tell me tell me the story. I won't do it any justice. But I, I thought that this was a really good mindset and perspective that you had on on the situation that you're in. Uh, I got nervous one time. I've been I've been really nervous one time in my life, and uh, it was at the IFYR. Um, I was second high callback, and uh, that was the first one of the first real big, I was a sophomore in high school, so that was one of the first real big rodeos that I had a chance to do real good at. Right. And uh, I remember I backed in there and steer was taking a while to get right, wouldn't get right, wouldn't get right. And I just like, the longer we sat there, the tighter I got. And I could feel my foot wiggling around in my stirrup. And I remember looking over at my partner, Cody Cameron, and, uh, he looked like a statue over there. He was just waiting on the stair to get right, like it was no big deal. Right. And I remember thinking, so what? What if I did mess up? Who cares? It happens. Right. 
And then he turned the steer and I caught the steer and we won the rodeo. It was, so the very first night at the NFR, uh, I'm third to go. And it didn't really dawn on me. Like we were breaking the steers in and stuff in the, in the arena there. And it was, was kind of cool, man, that was fun. And uh, just standing inside that little bit of yellow arena watching the steers go and guys roping in there and having a good time. And I remember thinking, man, this is, this is fun, man. This is a lot of fun. Right. And, um, and then that night, the very first night, uh, I, I, I can't remember anything from the time we were just sitting in the tunnel back there watching the TV of the bulldogging and bull spitting and having a good time and everybody asking what we everybody had. And, and then it seems like Dog Koontz is going in the box and I'm next. Like, I'm up. And that was like felt like a cold wind blew through that tunnel. Whoa. And uh, I got off and adjusted my cinches. There was nothing wrong with them, but I got off and adjusted them anyway. Right. And uh, Tim Bartling, uh, Clay Smith's uncle, was sitting on the top of the lead-up chute going into the boxes in the, in the chute there. And uh, I heard him say something behind me, so I turned around and looked up at him, and he said... Uh, you're all right. And it took me another deep breath. It was just like, so what does it matter? Like, what if I miss? So what? I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a good job. I got a great wife. Uh, I'm still going to eat really good tonight when we get done, regardless of what happens. I'm going to get to ride an awesome horse in the Thomason Mac at the National Finals Rodeo. So what if I fall off? Who cares? Junior did it. Junior did fall off. I'm glad I didn't fall off. I didn't look near as dumb as Junior did. I mean, it was great. He was 3-3 right before he fell off, but he, nevertheless, he still fell off. <laughs> but anyways, it was, if I had, if I had have missed, if I had have missed, I still wouldn't have been mad at the situation. Because uh, just getting to be among that group of guys at, at that rodeo is rewarding. I mean, that's awesome. So, who cares? What does it matter if you miss? And I know some guys can't look at it that way, but Chad was laughing at me the other day. We were coming back from California, and uh, I missed the first one at Clovis. We did some good out there, but I'm, I straight missed the first one at Clovis. I, I, I didn't even hit the steer with my rope. And uh, we were on our way home, and he called me and we were talking about this and that and horses and yada yada. And, and uh, he said, man, I, I was gonna tell you, you know, sorry for holding that stirrup so long over there at Clovis. And uh, I didn't give you a very good go at him. I said, no, man, you give me a great go at him. I just, I just missed, just missed the steer. And he said, well, I, I noticed that you were kind of giggling right after you missed him. And I couldn't really tell why I thought it might have been something that I did and you were aggravated, but you were just laughing to keep from being aggravated. I said, no, I was just laughing because I was thinking to myself, how bad could you miss that steer? <laughs> I mean, I missed him so bad. It almost looked like I wasn't even trying to catch him. Right. I was thinking to myself, I bet Chad thinks I wasn't even trying to catch him. <laughs> and he started laughing. He said, man, I didn't think that at all. I was like, I know, but that's how funny it was for me is that how bad I missed that steer. Because right. it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm, 
I'm gonna back in there again tomorrow or the next day or a week from now and try again and maybe I'll do better. Maybe I won't, but I don't see any sense in having a bad attitude about it, about doing bad because it's already happened and now there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not ever gonna chase that steer at that rodeo again. So I see no sense in being humdrum and aggravated at myself and throwing a hissy fit in the parking lot. There's no sense in it for me. Just having that mentality of enjoying the moment and even if it's not what you want, you still gotta keep moving on. And I was still there hanging out with my buds, a great rodeo that I'd never got to go to. Right. And having a good time riding a great horse. Uh, it's fun. There's no sense in being mad about having fun. Right. I think that's a pretty good way to, to put it. Well, my wife, she tells me all the time, because you're, 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 you're not going to get me down about nothing. Like, there's no hide off my back, period. Right. And she will, I've got real thick skin. I can take it. And she'll tell me, you know, Oh, that was a good shot, baby. You nearly had that one, <laughs> you know. And I was like, man, I did. You see, I almost, I almost got him. Yeah. And it's funny for us because I may be, I may be down on myself for two or three minutes there, five minutes, and then that's done. And that's over with. I reflect back on it for a minute and think about what I could have done better to do a better job, but. There's, I see no sense in being, Trevor Brazil said, one thing you have to have in rodeo is a short memory. And I think that's right. I, I think that uh, having a short memory in this game is really good. Reflect on the good stuff and the good times that you had and the good runs that you made and do your best to forget about the bad ones because, uh, you know, just uh, if you just sit and dwell on the bad runs, it'll just turn it into more bad runs. Um, one of my good friends in life, A.J. Horton, uh, he told me one time sitting behind the head box there at the amateur rodeo waiting to run one, he said, you know, if, if you were naive enough to make yourself believe that every steer, the last steer you ran, every time you back in there, if you can make yourself believe that the last steer you ran was the best job you've ever done in your life. You hit the barrier, the best you could hit it, you couldn't get out of the barrier any better. Uh, it was on him as fast as you could get it on him. You had his legs taped together. There was no way your partner could miss a steer. Every time you back in there, if the last steer you ran and your mind was the best job you've ever done in your life, the next year you run might be. Right. That made a lot of sense to me because if you back in there worried about your truck payment and uh, not gonna be able to get a sandwich when we get done at the rodeo because you might mess up and we ain't gonna win nothing, there's a good chance you ain't gonna win nothing because your mind ain't on what we're doing. Uh, a confident mind uh, I think uh, a guy, I, I don't mind a guy that's a little cocky. Right. I don't. I don't mind that's a, a guy that's a little cocky, confident. I like that because um, you're setting yourself up mentally for success. Uh, if you get there to the rodeo and 
you ride by the champ if you're if you're arrogant enough in your mind to ride by the champ and think to yourself man i'm glad he showed up and brought his billfold <laughs> you might have a chance to beat him right but if you ride up there and you see him and you go oh man champ's here i can't believe he came today i need to win something so bad probably not gonna beat champ today because right. he's gonna be mentally stronger than you are today one too you're saying it, you know, you're focused on the process as opposed to worrying on outcomes. Right. If I miss it, you're focused on using your horses, using what you do, and you believe that what you do wins. And that and that really, I think that translates as opposed to focusing on a bad outcome and the consequences and you're, you're on an outward kind of thought process and a negative thought process. Well, the way I look at it is I'm doing, I'm doing all I can do every time. There's nobody... There's nobody there in my mind trying harder than me. I'm trying as hard as I can possibly can without overdoing it every time. And sometimes I overdo it because I'm trying hard. But I can't try any harder than I'm already trying. And I can't do anything any better or faster or anything like that with the knowledge that's been bestowed upon me and the ability that I have. So why should I worry and, and try harder than I, can, than I can? If I just give it what I've got and I use myself to my maximum potential every time, when it works, we win. You know, when it works, I win good. And when it doesn't, I don't. So. It just seems like that's that's an easy thing to live with. You know, you can be really comfortable and happy living with essentially your best. I'm doing what I can do. Yep. And if that's not good enough today, maybe it will be tomorrow. Yeah. You know, tomorrow's a new day. And if it's good enough today, then right on. Yeah, heck yeah. You know, so that's just the way I have to look at it. Because the other way, the other way for me is depressing. I don't want to look at all the bad all the time. I mean, I know you have to reflect on the bad every now and again to, to make adjustments and fix things. But if you look at the bad all the time, uh, the good can't prevail. Yeah. You'll just be hung up in the bad. I don't want to do that. I agree. No, Joseph, we had a great time today. Um, I think one thing I was wanting to definitely leave it with our listeners and viewers you know, if you're interested in buying horses or looking at what a horse program looks like, I highly suggest you guys come out here. Um, you, know, you you guys are real straight up on all the deals, everything that you do here. You get you know you tell horses exactly what they are, and then the other thing that's really becoming unique is these rope horse fraternities are are being set up now to where as these horses are finishing up with their fraternity years, they're going to be great World Series horses, jackpot horses, BFI. And so it's now set up to where these horses have this huge amount of, of great trainers' time spent on them. And I think that that is so important to, to consider. If, you, you know, if you're looking for great horses, you know, it, it is worth coming over here and, and talking to you about them and talking to Bobby about them because I, I don't think it's a waste of your time to thanks you get over here. I think Jay Wadhams had a great idea. And... Dean Tufton thought that Jay Wadhams had a great idea too because he's backing him every inch of the way. Right. Um, I think that 
the way the horse industry was going with with basically only only the jackpot and only the horse showing in there uh you had two totally opposite ends of the spectrum right um people people unknowledgeably thought oh well i can't win nothing with this jackpot or this rodeo on this show horse he does things too slow he don't do this he don't do that and he does this but that's not good for this right uh, and the people that wanted to get them a young rope horse uh, wouldn't scope one out at the for the horse show deal. Wouldn't scope one out at the jackpot. And there's a there's a lot of them that are good enough. A lot of them. So I think Jay's deal is kind of mushing it together to where you're getting to see some young rope horses that have a chance to win in both areas. And a horse that can win there in the AQHA and a horse that can win at the jackpots in the rodeos, you can ride him anywhere and do good on him. Um, you're getting horses with some, with some style and you're also getting horses with some heart, one that can take it. You know, they say, yeah, well, that horse looks great if you run him on, ride him on one steer at a time. What does he do when you run five or six? Well, Jay's deals are four and five head deals. Right. You know, so I think that the uh, uh, the American Rope Horse Fraturity Association is, uh, is a great, great place for a guy or a girl or anybody else in, in, invested in, in, that wants to find a young rope horse I think it's a great place to go scope it out you know and he has I don't I don't know I think he's up to five or six of them a year now uh, there's there's two or three real good ones and then there's there's one that's that's phenomenal right. that one that he's that he's gonna have every year in Fort Worth is uh, it's crazy good I mean it's 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 crazy good into you're starting to see guys like Dakota Kirsten Slager. He's going over there to Clay Logan's when we filmed there the other day, and he's mm -hmm. he's working on himself and how he rides his horses and, and trains. And, and it's it's cool to see because now you get guys that even Dakota he would pretty much just get on anything and heel. And I think he would peak a lot in his rodeo and do really well when he was on a great heel horse. And then when he wasn't on such a great one, you know, he would wasn't not, quite as good. Yeah, it didn't go as as well for him. And, you're seeing guys like that getting into the training, and I think that it's, it's just going to do a, do the rope horse industry a service. Going over to Clay Logan's has really helped him too. If he if he wants to reflect and see how much it's helped him, um, I remember last year, and they looked okay. They looked okay, right. like they just they looked okay. And this year, I've only been to one or two places where he was showing his horses, and then at that fraturity the other day and he won second at that fraturity on one of his head horses the other day looked really good right. really good yep. uh, I think it's I think uh, he's doing an outstanding job and uh, I think Clay Logan's helped him a bunch but that's why we have to have those guys us younger guys have to have those older guys that's been there longer than us and I know that uh, uh, there's a lot of younger guys that can't take that coaching they can't take that butt chewing Right. that they're getting but if if you can it'll help I just realize that most of these guys are hard guys and they're straight up and that's you know you're getting the truth they ain't just out there talking to you for fun 
Right. And if they're out there bestowing their knowledge on you and staying longer than they would stay and talking to you more than they would trying to help, um, if you've got your head in your rear end, uh, they're going to call you at it. You know what I mean? They're going to call you on it and they're going to be hard on you. But it's been really good for me. So far, it's been really good for Dakota. Um, we need, the, and the industry needs more younger guys. Um, you don't see that many of us that are, that are you know, the younger generation um, riding and training and selling and showing rope horses. 90% uh, of it is the, uh, the older guys that's been there for a long time because they paid their dues and they win more than us because they've been there longer and they've paid their dues. Uh, it's getting quite a lot better for me. I've been there for a long time now and I've banged my head on that rock until they, you know, the judges and everybody else seen that I was gonna stay hooked. So I get to win when I'm supposed to now. And my advice to the, to the younger guys is, if it's something that you want to make a career out of, suck it up and go do it. Learn how to lose. It's real easy to learn how to win. It's hard to learn how to lose. Learn how to lose. You're not going to win every time at anything in life, period. So learning how to win is great. Learning how to lose is good, too. You can lose with dignity just as easy as you can win humbly. And I think it'll create a lot of opportunities for you if you can understand that. I think that's, that's really important. I do. Hey, Joseph, I appreciate it again. Do you want to add anything else on... Man, I'm good. I, I would uh, one time like to thank all the people that helped me get down the road. Uh, just took on a, a new man for some real good help the other day, Tony Nemechek and Two Guns Trucking. Uh, it's been real good for me for a long time. I've known him for a long time, and he wanted to help this year. And uh, He's been really good, new added for the cause. Uh, Smarty, uh, just got on with Smarty and them here uh, not that long ago and uh, really enjoy my machine and my dummy. It's been really good. Um, I'd like to thank everybody else, Wrangler and Blue Bonnet, Classic Ropes, Equibrand, Martin Saddlery. And uh, I've got a really sweet lady that comes and takes care of my horses for me, Miss Kate Jews uh, at uh, North Texas Equine Veterinarian Services. Uh, Mr. Mike and Alex Lane at uh, Lane and Sons Land and Cattle. They're good guys and got some good horses over there as well. Uh, of course, I'd really like to thank my boss and my mentor, Bobby Lewis. Uh, if, any, if, if you've ever got questions or you need to know about one or you need to try to find one, he's a good guy to know. Um, you can contact him at uh, Bobby Lewis Quarter Horses uh, on Facebook. And uh, there's a whole lot of people got his number. If you're trying to get in contact with him, he ain't hard to reach. Uh, thank the people at Wrangler for keeping me from going around naked. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I, uh, I appreciate everybody and everything that they do. And uh, thanks for, thank very thankful for getting to do what I love to do for a living. Right. Man, I appreciate it.
it was awesome today. We had a great time filming. I, I know I learned a lot. And it's just cool. It's cool to see a guy. I mean, because you, you're not that old, but you dang sure worked at it hard for a long time and willing to take it on the chin and just keep moving forward because you know what you want. And, that's, and it's a pretty, you got a pretty dang good story. So. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun today. Thank you. Thank you. That, you got Mickey the snot over there. I'm pretty sure I heard snot. Man, if there's nothing else that I'm going to do with my day, I'm going to have fun. There's no sense in being miserable during the day. I'll make a, my boss, I get that guy. I can have that guy so upside down. It's so funny because he, I remember one day, it's been five or six years ago probably, and uh, it was hot. Oh, it was hot. And we got that shed over the chutes over there. And, man, when it's bad hot and we got a little breeze out, that shade, it's 20 degrees cooler under that shed. Right. I'm sitting over there in the head box, and I've got my, uh, every now and again, I'll pick my rope up and back my horse in there and get him all standing up straight. And then I'll just ride him back forward and drop the reins and sit there and chill out for a minute. <laughs> and uh, Bobby, he's been riding one out there in the sunshine the whole time I've been doing this. So he rides in there in the box and it's just me. I got a steer loaded and everything and I'm just sitting in there and he rides in the hill box. He said, you want me to turn one out for you? I said, yes, sir. You know, I backed in there and gates bang and I scored him. And I rode back forward and put my rope on the saddle horn and cocked over my seat and sitting there. And he says, is he not scoring good, babe? I said, oh yeah, no, he's scoring great. He said, Got to thinking about it for just a second, and he thought he kind of looked around up that shed, and you know, he said, "You know, I think I'll sit in here and score with you for a little while." <laughs> I said, "Yes, sir, that'd be fine." We sat in there, and I mean, we sat there and shot the bull for I don't know 30, 45 minutes, and uh, that's about as long as he can be content with not doing anything. Right. And uh, he said, "Man, this is good. I needed this little break." I said, "Yeah, man, I've, I've been doing it for about 45 minutes longer than you have. I guess I should go to doing something. I've been sitting here in the shade for about an hour and a half." <laughs> and uh, anyways, uh, but I do stuff like that all the time, you know. And one one of them horses that needs a little longer here or there, man, just, just sit on him for a little while. Yeah. Sit on him in the shade. Ride him around. Ride him back in that shade and sit on him. You know, I mean, don't cut corners, but you don't have to just work yourself and them to death either. You know, just just uh, have fun with it. And when it ain't fun no more, I'm quit doing it. Right. I'll do something else. I agree with that. It's cool, too, because, you know, you get Bobby over there, and he's watching us, and it's, it's just good camaraderie. Everyone's real straight up with each other, but you guys are laughing and joking around, and it, it makes it pretty fun. Because you, you can tell you guys, you're out here for a long time, and you guys are working hard, and you're working together, and you just will be enjoying it as a Oh, person. man, yeah. You can be upside down to each other just as easy, and it makes for a long old day, man. Yeah. It does. It does. But we get along. We get along for the most part, man. I, I think we get along really good. Uh, he's been really good for me, and uh, I've tried to, you know, put my time in and, and try to be as good for for his program as he's been for me. I, I don't know if I'll ever get that done or not, but uh, I'm doing my best, and. Uh, I feel like we still got a good while yet of being able to to make this deal go around. Yeah, I think it's uh, man, it's cool to see. Like I said, dude, when I I couldn't believe it when I watched you and Charlie practice. I was just like, those horses look so good. And there was so you. I mean, you rode three, three or four horses those, those couple of days, and they're just 
so good. And you're just like, and then you get over here and you get hear more about the program and you guys are just raising them. From the, and he's riding them for a year, year and a half. You get to start on them and, and you get to see these young ones like that. And it's just like, man, they're, they're, they are so advanced compared to, I mean, there's only a couple places maybe in the world that have horses like that at, at that caliber. And it, so it's just cool to see that you guys just got straight up winners out of these horses around here. He does a good job with that program, man. His breeding program is really good. He really does, and it's a. have been very fortunate to get to ride as many horses at this place as I have. Um, now, you know, I mean, if, if, uh, if I were to start my own deal tomorrow, I would, I'd know what I'm looking for. You know, bef you know before I came here, uh, I didn't really know what I was looking for. I mean, I thought I did, but now I know what I'm looking for. I know what size I like them. I know how I like them to be bred. Um, I know where to go get them. You know, the contacts and guys that's got them, that spend the time, the grunts behind the scene that nobody ever sees that do the, do the best jobs on them, and nobody knows them. You know, I mean, they're just guys, but they're guys that are really good hands. And I know those guys, some of them now, that I didn't know. You know, and I mean, uh, I'd tell somebody else that was, uh, that, that wanted to train horses for a living uh, and needed, needed to learn more about it to be able to do it, this is a good spot, man. We've got some good kids that, that's here now, and uh, they, work, they work hard just like us all day long, and they learn. And, uh, well, I say they work hard all day long. I got one coming right here. He looked like he had to have a beef jerky break or something. But uh, he ain't been here but two days. <laughs> so, anyways, it's uh, but it, it, it's good stuff, you know, for a, for a younger guy or even an older guy. If you're looking for a place to go and learn more about the rope horse industry and you've got something to offer and bring to the table and you feel like you can at some point better this program, come on. Right. I'll take another guy. So it's a... Uh, and I need, I need, I need more guys. It's and girls. I've had some good girls. I, I'm not at all trying to exclude the girls. I've had some good girls that's worked here, really good. Kaylee King being, Kaylee King being one of the best. Okay. I think that that's so important to understand. Is if you do have a passion for it, you know, you can get over here a firsthand experience and, and learn from the best. Really, but you're gonna have to work. And you're gonna find out if you really like it or not. And that's probably the best case scenario is you get out here and you get working and you don't wanna be here, you'll know that you weren't maybe meant to do this for a living. Right. And if you love every minute of it like you guys do, you'll know, hey, this is for me. You don't have to do any hard manual labor. Just follow that guy around for a solid year, you'll wear out two pairs of shoes. Because <laughs> he's gonna be moving. 